This talk was recorded by Insight Meditation South Bay in Mountain View, California. For more talks and information, visit www.imsb.org. The theme of my talk in this series is the liberating aspects of emotions. This series of talks on meditation and the emotional landscape is exploring a topic that is um, near and dear to most of our hearts, namely our emotional responses to subjective experience. If you attend this whole series, it's likely that you will hear some themes repeated on this topic of mindfulness and emotions. I personally find repetition of particular teachings an effective way to fine-tune my understanding of a practice or a teaching, since each teacher usually brings a slightly different perspective or slant to what they're saying. And this often helps me to deepen my understanding. So if you are going to be attending several of these talks, you can see if that's true for you. As human beings, our developed higher functioning mind can think, reflect, and observe how we add preferences of liking, not liking, or feeling indifferent to what is occurring. You might reasonably ask, so what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Well, that depends. Depends on what? It depends on what you're following as a life path. If you are looking for a path that wants permanent happiness in this realm of samsara, that's one path. Another path is the path of wisdom directed toward liberation. So I want to explore how our emotional responses to experience can and surely must be part of a path to liberation. Emotions do not have to derail us from our intention to free the mind from struggle. They're part of us. How can we use them? If we break down what comprises our experience into smaller, manageable pieces, this is one skillful way to practice, understand, and free ourselves from attachment, aversion, and indifference. One teacher I have studied with calls this the divide-and-conquer method. This term comes from Latin, meaning a combination of strategies that aim to gain and maintain power by breaking up larger concentrations of power into chunks that are individually 
have less power than the one implementing the strategy. So how does this work? Divide and conquer is a way to carefully explore and reflect with the skill of mindfulness what constitutes any of our experiences. We can investigate both the gross and the subtle sensory elements at play within ourselves in any moment. When concentration and equanimity are sufficiently developed, we're able to stay present with the fluctuating moments of experience in all of their varied expressions without giving way to reactivity. Therefore, doing a regular meditation practice is essential to understanding the intricacies of our emotional landscape. Breaking things down into smaller pieces, we might begin by asking, what are emotions? So you might think about that for a moment. What do you think of as being your emotional response? What, what are our, our emotions? If we look carefully, we see that they are physical and mental responses to whatever we are experiencing within any of the six sensory fields. Namely, sound, taste, sight, smell, touch, and thought. As you know, emotions come in many flavors, but generally the five most common families are anger, sad, happy, fear, and guilt. Each of these expressions has a broad spectrum of emotional threads from mild to extreme or intense. As an experience occurs, our habitual conditioning will respond to the situation with either a pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral feeling. And depending on the relevance of the experience to our happiness or distress, our response may deepen and escalate with stronger physical and mental responses. So strong sensations arise in the body and thoughts flood the mind. So an example of this is hearing some good news or good fortune that has happened to someone that you know, perhaps a child, a close friend. The body responds with a particular set of pleasant sensations unique to you. Perhaps you have a feeling of warmth or you noticed your heart rate increasing slightly. Maybe the body feels a little lighter. Momentary relaxation. There are happy thoughts in the mind and likely happy or joyful words are spoken or written to the person. I'm so happy for you. This is such good news. You've made my day. 
So we are happy for some moments. And we have an experience of that emotion displaying itself in the body and the mind. Because feeling happy is a pleasant feeling, we mistakenly want it to continue and to last. But as we know, it never does. All experiences are impermanent, ever-changing, and thus ultimately satisfactory. So our usual experience is to cycle through ups and downs of these responses numerous times a day. They might even occur in response to our own thoughts. We suffer from the tangles of emotional responses that make our physical and mental states either spike to the heights of excitement or rage or descend to the depths of despair and hopelessness. How can this experience offer liberation? Or can it? First, let's define what is liberation. I found um, through the freedictionary.com a definition a secular definition that fits our purposes. Liberation, the act of releasing from a snarled or tangled condition. We even see evidence for this definition in the suttas. In the Tanha Sutta, Buddha was teaching the monks about the power of craving, which he called the ensnarer. This, monks, is craving, the ensnarer that has flowed along, spread out, and caught hold, with which this world is smothered and enveloped like a tangled skein, a knotted ball of string, like matted rushes and reeds, and does not go beyond transmigration, beyond the plains of deprivation, woe, and bad destinations." So what is it that has ensnared us with our emotional experiences? One of the strongest elements is our craving for existence and identifying a personal self that is experiencing the emotion. In conversation, it's awkward for us to say something like, anger is arising or anger is present. So we say, I'm feeling angry. This reinforces a sense of a self. The essential point is that the mind is identifying a self that is having that emotional feeling. If we believe that the physical and mental activity is who we are rather than momentary responses due to causes and conditions, then we are ensnared, caught in the web of craving. So what can we do about this dilemma? Can we be liberated from this tangle of desire or craving 
for things to be as we want them to be. We have to recognize when there is discord and distress in the body and the mind. Buddha's gift to us is to show how we must wake up from the delusion of a self that is having this experience. We must apply the practices of intention, discernment, and skillful application to what is ensnared or caught. So let's take the first one, intention and motivation. Our intention and motivation have to be sufficiently strong to want to transform suffering into freedom. So we have to even recognize and know, is this emotional response causing suffering for me? This requires courage and determination to investigate our inner landscape with honesty and compassion. But once we know its basic terrain, that there are some hills and some valleys, we can be with any experience with ease and balanced effort. This wholesome state is called equanimity. Secondly, discernment. Now we come to the divide and conquer part. With King Mindfulness, we ask, what is arising, changing, and passing in experience for me right now? Which part of this momentary experience is physical sensation, and which part is mental thought. We can experience the very brief life of any emotional response, namely 90 seconds, if we don't resist the sensations or embellish the mental stories. That's kind of shocking, isn't it? Did you realize an emotion, if we don't mess around with it, that it will arise stay briefly and pass within 90 seconds. We see clearly what increases agitation in the mind and what calms it. We know the consequences of our actions. It's a little like sitting in the woods quietly, watching the deer come down to feed. They look at you, you look at them. You are motionless and observant. This is how we stop fighting with our emotions and come to accept them. So lastly, skillful application. Sitting with experience is possible. This is where we look directly into what is arising for us emotionally and rest there without aversion or clinging. We know the presence of the experience completely. The first noble truth. 
We don't fight or struggle with the experience as it's showing up in the body and mind. We experience the intensity of the moment and accept this is how fear, anger, sadness is now. This requires active effort and intention, opening to the whole experience. Philip Moffat calls it the ouch of it. The origin of suffering is resistance, the second noble truth. Thirdly, don't struggle in the body or mind. Relax and open. Create the conditions for movement to be known and for craving to cease. To have enough space to see where we're stuck in a response, namely our conditioned habit, and that's all. The third noble truth. Four, know that you are on the path of liberation when your responses to experience are appropriate, timely, beneficial, and skillful. The fourth noble truth. Our mindfulness meditation practice develops concentration, which enables us to be present with whatever is arising, as well as insight and wisdom about what leads to the end of suffering around any experience. With meditation practice, we see clearly how things come and go in the body and the mind. With skill and wisdom, we're able to choose what and how we give outward expression. This harmonious relationship between inner knowing and outer expression directs us toward thoughts, words, and actions that do not tighten that knot of confusion and suffering. (coughs) Moments of experience arise and pass without the construct of a self. We're no longer ensnared. I have found um, in working with emotional responses for many years that um, there's a necessary place for compassion and loving-kindness practices. There are times when we feel completely lost within ourselves and don't seem to be making any progress toward our goal of liberation or even to be more mindful during daily activity. The Buddha gave us practices for such occasions. Doing a loving-kindness practice for ourselves or others helps to counter ill will. A compassion practice counters any subtle tendency toward cruelty, whether toward ourselves or others. If I'm lost in self-pity, Doing a loving-kindness or compassion practice for others is a great way to shift the suffering in my heart and mind and open me to that connection with others. 
I might even say something like, remember myself with loving kindness right now. Remember the other with loving kindness. So where are we relative to this notion of the liberating aspects of emotions? What can we take away? Well, we've seen that emotions are a composite of physical sensations in the body and lots of thoughts in the mind. We can't stop the initial arising of either of these. But with mindfulness, we can see each component for what it is, impermanent and impersonal. The response is arising based on a certain cluster of conditions coming together in that moment. With the development of wisdom, we know directly how not interfering with sensations gives them the space to shift and change on their own into a more relaxed, open experience. If we can watch our thoughts in the same way, not buying into them or identifying with them, they also return to spacious awareness. We free ourselves from the conditioning that wants to meet emotions with attachment to the pleasant or aversion to the unpleasant. We give them space to liberate, shift, and change on their own. In those moments, Freedom is known. Recognize its presence. So those are the points and the thoughts that I wanted to bring tonight. I think it may have um, a bit more meaning uh, if we can put them into effect with a practice. So I'm going to um, give you a little guided meditation now. Allow yourself to once again settle. Just being aware of your body posture, not needing to change anything in particular. Just notice where your arms and hands rest, feeling how the head is resting on the neck, noticing where the feet are resting, and bringing awareness to the breath. However the breath is coming and going at this time, Just let that pattern be what it is, not needing to manipulate the breath in any way. So this particular practice will be 
working with this idea of noticing smaller components of experience. I invite you to bring to mind a recent situation that prompted for you some feeling of a mild, uh, just some little small inner conflict, discomfort, a feeling of dis-ease, Something recent, if you reflect back on today or maybe yesterday, but keeping it fairly current. And I encourage you not to choose your greatest life challenge for this particular practice. Just something just something that kind of even briefly pulled you off balance a bit. Something that disturbed your peace of mind for a few moments. If we catch our emotional responses when they are at the lower end of the intensity scale, they're much easier to work with. So, for example, working with annoyance or mild irritation is much easier than when anger has escalated to rage or overwhelm. So see yourself in that situation once again with the same feelings that were present when it occurred as much as possible. And again, this is completely optional and voluntary. If you don't feel like participating in this particular practice, that's fine. If you can, identify or label the most Dominant emotional feeling tone. And if it's not apparent right at the moment what you were feeling, just give it the word or label something. And sometimes when we begin to explore this emotional landscape, we realize that there are maybe two closely related feelings occurring. If that's the case, if they seem equally strong, then label them both, which it might be something like embarrassed and annoyed. And as you bring this situation to mind when, with whatever is occurring right now, remain present and open to it. Even if it's somewhat uncomfortable. You don't need to take any action Just tell yourself, 
it's okay to feel this. And notice how the breath continues to come and go as this feeling is touching the body and the mind. Gil Fransdahl reminds us in his book, The Issue at Hand, no emotion is inappropriate within the field of our mindfulness practice. We're not going to become free from emotions. It's freedom from complicating them. So be very clear about what is presently being felt in the body. What are the sensations? Even now, as you return to that situation, what is being felt? Are the body sensations tightening, throbbing, pulsing? Let yourself be with the body experience. Notice how that experience changes in subtle ways. And also give some time to observe the general content of the thoughts without either accepting or rejecting their persuasion, opinion, or story. They're just thoughts. So you can actually cycle back and forth with a simple noting technique. When body experience is most noticeable, say body. When the thoughts are stronger, note thought. And feeling the breath present in the background. Body sensations and thoughts changing. Particularly notice and be with any subtle changes. And if there are some moments when the mind is no longer fighting the experience, has a bit more acceptance, notice that space between the waves of thoughts. Any subtle change is significant. And now direct your attention to the body as a whole. Noticing any overall sensations, aware of sounds, Recognizing thoughts, feelings, 
It's all arising and passing naturally. And now take one more look back at the situation and see if there is anything you know about it now that you didn't see or know previously. Yeah, anger is um, certainly an emotion that we all know and certainly one that... um, we can do a lot of work with. So creating, creating a little space around it, not letting it, um, you know, get to the rage stage. So anger on that spectrum of emotions, for example, the family of anger goes all the way from um, annoyance, mild irritation, you know, and then all the way up to homicidal rage. And so if something has escalated, you know, on the upper end of that spectrum, much more difficult for us to have any space around it. And so mindfulness practices, they help us recognize things more quickly. We develop some skills to... um, create a little more safety for ourselves and what the mind is about to go into. And um, so this idea of the inner knowing versus the outer expression, I I like that piece for myself, Uh, recognizing what's, what's going on for me and how can I be with this with some level of Uh, equanimity. So I guess um, I want to uh, leave you with a little Lao Tzu poem. I know you all know this one, but it's so good. Do you have the patience to wait till your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving till the right action arises by itself? Do you have the patience to wait till your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving till the right action arises by itself? That's what we've been talking about. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming this evening. It's a pleasure to be with you.